Hey, my friends. My name is John. I'm a recovered alcoholic and drug addict. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to share on this beautiful day. Um, I was going to just, uh, I was reflecting on where we are in our Life Lab workshop and we're at belief systems, so understanding beliefs. And I, I was just reminded in my meditation of I don't know if you remember Ripley's Believe It or Not. And it was like, or the, like, what did we, me and my brother used to get the uh, Olympic world records, not like world record books, like Ripley's Believe It or Not. And like, you go through the book and you're like, this is really hard to believe that there's a guy that hiccuped for like 14 years. Like I've hiccuped for like 14 minutes and I was ready to like, just shove my face in the sand and and hope that it'll all be over. But imagine, like, these are really hard things to believe. Like, the tallest man in the world is, I, I don't even know, I don't have the fact book right next to me, but it's, like, nine feet tall. And there's, like, some facts that are just so unbelievable. And so that's kind of the concept that I wanted to bring uh, to us today is, is really reflecting on belief. Like, what is belief? Where do I where do I get them from? And uh, I I, I realized that the word belief starts with B B E, and so belief is something that I get to be. I, I become it, and it's kind of like remember they used to say that what you eat you become, and it's like isn't that true when you hit fifty years old? Uh, I was reminded of that this year. Like yeah, like you can't. You can't hide on your crappy eating styles, uh, and it catches up to you at some point. And I, I came, I came to this year of like, yeah, I've really become unfit, unhealthy. Um, are these choices that I'm making? Are they actually choices? Are they decisions? Do I have a plan? Do I have? Can I execute something, or or am I in a false belief system, and I've become something? So your belief is something that you actually become and do. And so belief in itself is actually defined as acceptance of something that is truth, accepting truth or accepting something that exists. Uh, so I can have faith and trust and confidence in something. And so where do I get this belief system? Uh, because we could all relate to like not being good enough or not being on time, or always being late, or I'll never amount to very much, or I'm just uh, circumstances of my upbringing, or I will never be like my dad, or I'll never... And it's like, where is all that coming from? Well, it's coming from our experiences. So we have these experiences that give us a message. And then out of that message, I can either agree with it, or I could disagree with it. And so when I come into agreement with it, I'm actually coming into an agreement with the, the voice of my circumstances, the voice of possibly my wounding or the voice of the enemy. Um, because these voices usually come in the form of fear. And then I make an agreement with that fear, with that experience, and then I turn it into a vow of I will never, or I will always, or I just won't be like this, or I'm just subjected to this. This is how our family is. And we make these blanket statements. And, and we come into this belief system that causes us 
our actions. And so many times we look at the results of our actions and we're like, we need to do things differently. It's, it's catching up to me. Um, these choices or decisions that I'm making uh, are, are really getting a negative result that I don't want, or I'm getting these negative results. And if I keep on this trajectory, I'm, it's, it's not going to go well. And so I think sometimes we we get in this this rhythm of seeing negative results and trying to change our behavior, thinking that our behavior is the wrong part, the behavior is the thing that's getting in the way if I just made different choices or if I just changed this behavior and did it this way uh, to get a different result, I'll just put in some more discipline or I'll put in some more instruction or I'll just you know, watch 1400 hours of YouTube videos and just practice, practice, practice because practice makes perfect. And isn't that a horrible belief system? These are all self-defeating self belief systems that I have embedded inside of me to produce my actions, to produce my results. And so changing my behavior isn't as simple as implementation of a new behavior. It's actually going into my belief system and rewriting this belief system. So if you're a, if you're a Life Lab student, you might have heard um, behavior sequences. And so it's intercepting these beliefs and these tapes and these vows and all of the things that create our behavior. And so I actually have to get to the root of my belief system. I ha have to get to the, the root of why I believe what I believe, because that is setting my values, that is setting my perceptions, that is setting my principles, that is setting uh, my, my expectations on myself and the world around me. And so when we have this structure built on a value system, a belief system that is getting certain results, that, that, that the, the reason that I can look at the structure uh, 10, 20 years down the road or 40 years down the road, I have to really be honest and going, this structure isn't working. This structure isn't um, housing the temple of God inside of me, because isn't that what recovery is? Recovery is about being the temple of God from the inside. And so the beautiful thing is that I, I have to come into agreement that I can't rewrite this stuff by myself. Like if, if I could, I would have already. Um, but my my history and my past and my family of origin and and the things that I've seen and experienced and some of the harsh leadership that I've been under, some of the teachers, some of even even siblings and and lack of parents or overparenting, all of those things, um, traumatic situations, um, lack of money, all of those things have given me a belief system and a value system. And you hear it all the time with the uh, I, I don't even want to call them old people. Um, but, but the, I think some of the boomers or the, they, they went through the depression and, and they have a different value. They have a different belief system on substance, on, on things that, you know, my generation would just dump in the garbage or, or not even think we would just get another one or, you know, we're the throwaway generation, just buy a new one. And uh, the 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 depression guys are are fixing it up, and I think that's where duct tape came from. Is is from that generation of of we can't throw it out. We'll just duct tape it till it works. And um, I really have to lay aside my beliefs and my values and and my principles 
for a whole new set to be rewritten. If you if you are in the computer world um, or know anything about computers, they have an operating system. And, and so if you have a certain operating system, the one that I use, they have updates all the time. And so if you're using an old system, an old operating system on new equipment, the new equipment isn't going to operate properly. And so that's why they have, you know, Windows 7. Um, I, I remember having Windows Vista. And, and the, 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 the operating systems became so much more elaborate. There was so much more to them that it was silly that even like an old computer couldn't even house and couldn't even manage a, a new operating system. So you had to get a whole new piece of equipment. And so that's what the concept of recovery is, is, is not discounting, you know, picking and choosing what I want from my old life. It's, it's really um, about abandonment of, of the old. In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it never uses the word surrender. It uses the word abandon over and over and over and over again. It talks about a construction company, basically about the cornerstone and about the keystone and about the foundation. This isn't a rebuild. It's not a remodel. It, it's a whole new building. It, it's not a renovation. And so this is where I can run into trouble of of not being willing to be rewritten in all of my all of my belief systems. And so God's going to give us new belief systems, um, but how does he do that? So for me, it, the, the, the 12 steps is designed to have a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience. And so I go through these experiences, and, and if I'm truly a child of God being directed by God, he's going to put me in circumstances and situations that are going to create new experiences so that my belief will change. And so for me, very early on in my recovery, um, and going back about 17, 16 years now, I really had a hard time with this concept because, um, you know, for the first 32, 33 years of my life, I did things a certain way. It's the only life that I knew. And so it's the life that I knew about security. It's the life that I knew about relationships and, 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 and sex and, and all of, all of my basic instincts, I, I had these beliefs and expectations about them. And so it wasn't until I was willing to set aside all of the things that I think I know, all of my values, all of my um, principles, and all of my beliefs, it's not until I'm ready to set those aside for God to rewrite a whole new operating system. And so um, there's an exercise on page 45 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's introducing us to this concept of God, of, of this power that I get in a relationship with him. I believe that many of us start this relationship of grace. And so my belief doesn't necessarily give me the power. My belief in God can separate me from the things that are destroying me. It can cause abstinence, and that's God's grace. And so there's this grace period that can run out, and, and that's why people that don't uh, have a new operating system, a new rewrite, that's why we see so many people at one year or six months or two years or five years that relapse, because grace has a time limit. We have to move into relationship. So 
these are the things that uh, really I struggled with for the first year because I came out of the trades. And as a trade man, we we are known by what we make and what trade we're in. And, and you know, there's almost like levels of, of what trade you're in and who you are and how people perceive you. And so, um, you know, it's it, it goes so deep as uh, of what kind of car you drive, what you wear, uh, what kind of restaurants you eat at, uh, how you can buy and afford a house. Um, some of these trades, they'll sign a letter and, and you can get a mortgage because the, the bank knows that you make this amount of money and this is what you're worth. And this is what we're willing to, to give you a mortgage for because of where you work. And so I had a really hard time with all of this because I came in with all of this experience. And I came in with all of these beliefs and values and expectations, but this is what's going to destroy me because this is the foundation of, this is my cornerstone. This is my, my, my keystone. This, this is, this is a building that I just need to be destroyed of. And until I became willing to be fathered by God, be directed by God, to be employed by God, then I was able to let go of the belief systems that I have. And maybe you're listening to this right now and, and God's already stirring in your heart of like, you can't get rewritten. You can't get a new operating system if I don't leave my current situation. And so I went into, I, I got out of my trade and, and this is just God ordained. This isn't for everybody to copy. This isn't a roadmap. Um, but what I will say is God's going to, to take where you are, give you new experiences to rewrite your operating system. So part of that for me was I quit my job and just went into volunteering. I was like this full-time volunteer. I found a, I found a uh, pastor that would uh, uh, take me around with him all day long. And I think every good pastor needs a uh, ex-crackhead on their side to make their life interesting and uh, to give structure to uh, the guy in need as well. And I did that every day for like nine months, just volunteer, volunteer. I got to learn so much. I, I was, I was, I, I was more busy doing that than I was working. Um, but it was part of my recovery. It was part of my um, being shaped and molded by God. And I had the space to do that. Uh, one day, uh, one of the places that I volunteered was a men's home. A care home for guys with mental illness and and so uh the the director at the time just uh, he, he said you you have a lot of free time and you're you're plugged in here quite a bit you i see you a couple times a week would you want to uh work uh for one of the care homes with uh, guys with mental illness as an overnight supervisor and it was the first time that anybody had offered me a job where i had a tear in my eye like i actually had a tear in my eye and i was like this is the job god has for me and it was making minimum wage, seven bucks an hour. And it was uh, a lot of cleanup and meals and meds and all of that stuff. And God taught me how to love people that could barely love themselves. Um, God taught me to, to serve people that barely could serve themselves. And then he started inspiring me in spirit. God will start to inspire you. And so he inspired me to... You know, bring in bring in my dad for a Bible study. I brought in my wife once a week for arts and crafts and dessert. 
And uh, it was overheard at the table one one week that, you know, we do arts and crafts first and then we have dessert. And Vicky would always bring like the the five, whatever that five liter pail of $5 ice cream and then some chocolate syrup and sprinkles. And one guy actually said, he goes, I'm just here for the dessert. So let's get this uh, art craft over <laughs> <laughs> and and uh it, it was just a beautiful experience um and and all this time i'm making seven bucks an hour and all this time god is rewriting my my belief system about what money is about what finances is about what currency the kingdom of god operates in and the kingdom of god does not operate in the dollar bill god's going to supply all of my needs monetarily financially physically, relationally, all of those things if I am in relationship with him. And so the, the currency of the kingdom of God is not the dollar bill, it's the heart of man. And so if I'm about God's business, then I'm about the heart of his children. And so I had to lay down my prejudices in page 45 of the big book, the last paragraph, is that we have these prejudices of God of how we come into this relationship with. And so you might have a prejudice about money, about making a living. I hear it all the time. Well, I can't just step away from my life. I got to make a living. I got to pay my bills. And I'm like, man, if you haven't figured that out in 30 years, I don't think you're about to right now. Why don't you just take the time away and, and form this relationship with God that's going to solve these problems? And so I got to look at my prejudices, and then I actually have to see if they're true or false. That's very important. And then I have to see what the external excuses are that I continue to perpetuate them. So for me, one was I, I, I had this prejudice is that I actually have to work for my living um, and make money at a certain rate. And so God uh, got me to work at this men's house and <laughs> working for seven bucks an hour didn't really pay the bills anyway. But I had so much more than the bills and God was rewriting my belief system about money. And about reward and about purpose and meaning and definition of my life. And then I had a, another big one is, is kind of going in the opposite direction is uh, God punishes me if I don't do a good job. And, and so this perpetuated my doing and doing and doing and proving and striving. And, and God just wants a relationship with me. Uh, I know that Martha gets a really bad rap um, in the Bible in a specific story where Jesus is hanging out. And, and there's a, a feast that's going to happen. Dinner's going to happen. And Martha's in the kitchen and she's like, sees Mary hanging out with Jesus. And it's like, come on, Mary, like get back in the, get in the kitchen. Like you're on the clock right now. Do, 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 do. We got, we got to serve our guests. We got to serve Jesus. And Jesus says, Mary's doing what's great. Being in relationship with my creator. Although, like, for Martha to come back, she did do, do a comeback, and, and Mary kind of failed the test. And it was about um, their, 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 their friend Lazarus being raised from the dead. And so uh, in this story, Mary didn't have the faith, and Martha did. So I think we, we all mess up in our own little ways. And so uh, we're good and bad in, in our, our journeys. And so um, if I don't do a good job, God's going to punish me. But the reality is, and, and what my new belief uh, through a prayer time was, of, of really coming out of this uh, striving and proving and being noticed. And this is in, in ministry, running a rehab center and, and, and being in that, in that center for 10 years. And, and some of the things that we do start to define who we are. 
And so God really, through some circumstances and some experiences, uh, had me laid off for about a month and a half. Um, and just went into this healing time. And one of these, one of these prayer ministry appointments that I had and going deep into my inventories, uh, my resentment inventories was, was just getting this picture of Jesus, uh, of an empty cross and, and, and letters scrolled across the screen and it said, um, I will never be punished again. And that's astounding because, you know, like, I just feel like if I don't do a good job, I'm going to get punished because I'm doing a bad job and bad people get punished. But if Jesus took all of our punishment, I will never be punished again. I just get the consequences of my inaction or actions. And so Jesus wants to rewrite my operating system so that my, my, my actions are pleasing to him. And so this is a good exercise of what are my prejudices? Where did they come from? Are they true or false? And then what are my external excuses that I perpetuate them? And then I just really want to invite this prayer. It's called the set aside prayer. And so can I set aside and pray every day to set aside my prejudices of God, of who uh, and, and what he is? And, and can I set aside my, my, my behaviors and my beliefs and my values and my principles? And can I set these things aside for God to rewrite them? And God might take you into a different employment to get some, some script rewritten. God might take you into volunteer opportunities. God might take you into running workshops or whatever it is so that it, it through your experiences, you can actually see the love of God and start to build a whole different belief system that you're actually putting your faith in and, and believing and trusting. And that's how I become a new creation. And out of John 6, verse 29, Jesus said the work of God is to believe in the one that he sent. And so my belief is 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 my work is to believe in Jesus in the Messiah in the savior so that i actually become the temple of god and through his blood and death and resurrection i can have life and i can be the temple like the third temple is rebuilt it's us it's in us and i can have the spirit of god with all power and might within me residing in me and the most important question in the big book of alcoholics anonymous is on page 11 and Ebby, Ebby Thatcher is talking to Bill and bringing the message of the Oxford group to Bill in his kitchen. And Bill is a little bit uh, under the weather. He's a little bit inebriated. And so he brings this concept, Ebby brings this concept of being born again. And so Bill's thought and prejudices come out in this question, in, in, this, in this writing. And it says, to Christ, I concede a certainty of a great man not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teachings, most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. That's the most important question that you can ask yourself today. Is Christ just a moral teacher or is he God? And that's what I have to concede to. And so if I concede to that Jesus is God and I put my belief in his death and resurrection, I can become the temple of God with all power of the resurrection creator. And then as I move 
into action, the flame of his spirit grows within me. And through that, my beliefs and my perceptions and my values and my expectations can be burnt away because that's what the fire of God does. It lights up your darkness and his fire burns away the, the impurities out of gold. And he already sees me as pure gold. It's just the work of the continuation of this relationship causes me to actually walk in purity, causes me to actually walk in right standing, to be righteous, to be holy, and to be perfect in his sight. And so these are all belief systems that we come in. You can't be perfect. Yeah, I'm always going to make mistakes. Are you? God already knows what we're going to do, what we've done, and what we're where we came from. And so he sees us in his perfection because he has his spirit within us. And so that's how I do this relationship. And that's how I, I get to burn the, the, the dross, the impurities away. And God sees me as pure gold. And so each one of you is pure gold. I give you that today. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing the rest of your shares and your thoughts. And uh, thank you again for letting me share on beliefs.